Hey, Sid. Hey, Brian. What's up? Oh, not too much. What's up with you? We got a new recording location. New location. New vibes. I'm excited. Um, so I hope you all enjoy this uh, this new format. Yeah. But which has no effect on Anything. what you're listening to <laughs> at all whatsoever. It besides does mean, us being maybe a little bit more comfortable. I think a little bit more comfortable for sure. And um, what was the other thing? Oh, we can drink in our new location. We're not right now. We're not, but we might in the future. You'll never know. <laughs> you might know, <laughs> depending on how things start to come Hard across. To <laughs> so stay tuned for that excitement. What's your update? I have a trip to Toronto coming up to kind of um, cleanse the palate and do a little like get out of town moment. Always necessary. Really exciting. And I haven't. You know, I did it recently too. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like very good for you. And I feel like what I'm going to be doing is going to be very good for me as well. We're doing like just a weekend away. Nothing like Because I feel like in Toronto, it's like New York, where you don't want to go for, like, too long Mm -hmm. because you want to just, like, kind of blitz out on all the fun stuff and then come back to your happy space and just, like, decompress a little bit. But we did, like, book reservations at places. (gasps) We looked up, like, drink locations and dessert spots. I sent you a list. You did, and I saved it. I hope that... It was helpful. Oh, a thousand percent. I looked at it. I'm like, I then pinpointed even more according to that list, all the other stuff I'd like to do, like adding to the list I had based on your list. Excellent. So I'm excited. I think in where we're staying is like very walkable and mm-hmm. it's near all of the other stuff that we want to do. And that's just my kind of getaway, like short and sweet, but you can pack in like all the good food, maybe a little bit of shopping, maybe. They have good stores. Yeah, I need to be careful, but I might. But do. it truly, it's like it is like going to New York City a little bit. Yeah, like it feels very much like a cleaner. Yeah, mm-hmm. more <laughs> bustling community. And I feel like in the, the Toronto f- area. Well, and like the food, I feel like is going to be easier to find. Sometimes oh, yeah. my my thing with New York is like I have to be like I have to be in a borough and like just and do like that, that borough right. Whereas Toronto, I feel like the different parts of the city are a little bit more accessible. Yeah. So I can like spread out a little bit more. A lot of it is walkable and also like quick. Uber rides or Lyft rides, depending on your preference. Mine's Lyft. Thank you for saying that. Same. (laughs) But yeah, so that's my update. I'm really excited for that. It'll be like a nice getaway. And we did like, this is going to sound bougie, but we did a boutique hotel. Which one? We are doing the Broadview. That is not where we stayed. So I am very curious (laughs) how How it is. Where'd you stay? The Bisha Hotel. Oh, I didn't even see that one. There was one that started with an A that sounded really exciting and like very um low-key but they didn't have any pictures of the bathrooms anywhere on the website and that's the thing i just want to know what i'm getting into that's actually weird (laughs) right and it's like it's a very cool looking hotel but i'm like i want to know what like you know my morning routine is gonna look like and in that space and Bravo had that. <laughs> so that made the decision for me. Check in the box. Exactly. So yes, I will tell you how it is. I'm very excited. Amazing. It's going to be great. What's your update, Brom? Um, one of the things, because I live and die by my calendar, I've started putting reminders to reach out to people that I haven't seen in a while. Like, mm. you know, those like friendlies yes. that you love to spend time with, yes. but it's not necessarily like 
it's not your immediate crew necessarily that you know that you're like in constant contact. It's like kind of your extended network, like a little bit of like going off of what our mentorship ep- episode talked through. Yes. Last week? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Recently. <laughs> um, so it's setting time on my calendar to reach out to those people that I don't get to see very often, but want to see often enough that it requires a reminder to say like, hey, it's been three months or whatever and not go an entire year. Yeah. Because that's like actually a thing that happens now. I was like, I definitely saw my doctor for this type of appointment uh, six months ago. (laughs) And they were like, hello, uh, you have not been in here for two years. (laughs) Please come back. (laughs) So that's obviously not the same as friendship, but also relevant. But I was like... I feel like there's something that happens with age yeah. where, like, the amount of time that passes is like, I just saw you. Right. And the reality is you did not. Right. And so to set a reminder for those people, I read this one article that said, like, you should keep a spreadsheet of, like, p- how you're communicating and keeping in contact with people. Whoa. And I felt like that was a little overkill. <laughs> that was going to say, I was like, that's next level. <laughs> I like the essence of this. Yeah. Of, like, making sure that you're staying in touch with the people that you care about. I think that's great, and I feel like it brings up, like, what I feel like sometimes is a shamey moment where I'm like, oh, I I forgot to reach out to that person. I'm a terrible person when, like you said, like, I rely on my calendar for everything, so why wouldn't I rely on it for this? And it doesn't make you a bad person to need a reminder to reach out to certain people, especially when, like, we're all crazy busy Mm -hmm. all the time. And you do have, like, a core group of people that you might see more often than others. So the people that aren't necessarily, like, on that weekly, monthly basis, but you still really value your time together, I think it makes total sense to put it on the calendar. Just to say, like, I mean, I put everybody's birthdays on my calendar. Why wouldn't I put, like, hey, reach out to this person you like to hang out with them? Time to have a happy hour drink. I think that's great. That's a good one. All right, Sid. Give it to me straight. What are we talking today? Well, you are going to be excited about this. <laughs> I'm going to start there. I might be there. a little prepared. <laughs> I, I am very excited about this. So um, as you know, I'm in a project management class this semester, which yes. is like the dream for you was not the dream for me to start. <laughs> it's okay. I was super intimidated because project management is like a different world but also very much a part of everybody's world. So it's in this like in-between place where I feel like it takes like a hyper-organized person. Like there's a very specific type of person that I picture and it's Mm -hmm. you that is really good at this work. And as I'm learning in this class, like it is definitely that way, but there are so many elements to it that as we learn about those elements, we can all get better at this work, even if it's not our full-time job, Mm -hmm. but we can like, assist others in their way of doing things if their job is project management. For sure. So I found that really like exciting when we started the semester. But one of the things that we talked about recently is a chapter that we were assigned in our text on communication and specifically project communication. But while it was geared toward obviously the project management space, I felt that so much of what I was reading was so relevant to what we need to hear today around communication and the things that we really need to keep in mind when we communicate with people both like, and I think this applies to in work and out of work. Mm -hmm. Today we'll probably gear like air on the side of more work 
kind of stuff. But again, like I think that this can absolutely apply outside of that space, like volunteer work or any side projects that you have, like anything that lives in those categories, I think this is totally relevant to as well. So today we're going to be talking about like how to communicate successfully and then some elements to consider that come into play when we communicate and then just kind of see what the bigger picture looks like depending on who you're communicating with and how you communicate with them and all of that good stuff. Yeah, and especially if you're in an environment in which you interact with people, this is good information to know, which is like most. Most of us. Most of us. I think even the people that like avoid it like the plague. This is, <laughs> this is, st- this I think is it's exactly more helpful for those people <laughs> because we've all been there for sure. All right, let's speak it, Queens. Let's do it. Um, so communication and different ways that we can succeed and fail at it. I, what I, when we sit down to like talk about this, it feels like you can get really into the weeds around like successful communication and failing at communication, but it also, and my brain immediately went to, how have I failed at this? (laughs) How many different ways? Who have I wronged? What can I do better? Um, but I think it is much more simple than we give it credit for sometimes, And in my mind, successful communication means that the person I'm communicating with understands what I'm saying the way it was intended. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like understands what I'm saying, like they, you know, speak the language, you know, technically that I'm speaking and they're getting it. But like the way that I've intended it to come across is also fully understood and they can then walk away (laughs) knowing what I said and what I meant by it. That in my mind is successful communication. Right? I agree. And it's surprising how how little we accept and internalize this when yeah. we're communicating with people. And it's something that I actively have to think about a lot in the work that I do now because mm-hmm. so many people I interact with think about things differently. And there has to be a way that you can kind of like formulate how you phrase things sure so that it's interpreted appropriately because the way that you say something may not be the way that someone else is saying something and so much is up for interpretation which is like brain explosion oh yeah and why i'm like of course i think about failing (laughs) (laughs) all the time and i think that's like why it's so hard is because we can't control what happens when somebody walks away and like what they're thinking based on what we've said. Oh yeah. It's like feelings. And that's terrifying. (laughs) And I don't love that, but that's why we're talking about this today is because it's super important. And I think what comes with this to, to be successful at being a strong communicator and communicating with people is that you take the time to listen Mm -hmm. and respond thoughtfully two things that people are saying and not just like focused on what you have to say much like we've talked about in past episodes around active listening and so many of these things but it plays a really big part and if you are actively practicing those things it can have a really big impact on how people are hearing the words you're saying absolutely totally totally um failing at communication to me means simply just not doing it (laughs) which again feels so obvious but i think there's sometimes this expectation that people just understand something like we expect people to understand something without much communication and to me that's failing is not taking the time to really um think about 
how someone needs to hear something for directional purposes mm-hmm. or for just how to do their job differently or better. Um, so you just making that assumption means that you're not communicating it. And then that person either fa- then fails themselves or they're in a position where they don't necessarily feel comfortable asking for clarification. And so then you've lost like as soon as that person walks away from the conversation. So that to me is what failing looks like. And there's so many scenarios where you find out after the fact that someone didn't understand something and you're like, why didn't you say anything? Like I asked you. Right. But sometimes it's like the scenario is not the right like time. So it's there's a little bit of like the failure can happen if you forget to follow up. Right. Too. Absolutely. Um, so like there's one side where it's like you have to deliver the news and then know the news. <laughs> <laughs> the actual deliver the information and then make sure like, hey, if you have any questions and then like if it's been a while since you've heard anything, like check in, ask follow up questions. Because I think that's where like sometimes people need to like be in if you're like actually delegating things to people, taking the time to be like, Hey, I know that was like I info dumped on you right do you have everything you need um and i think that question helps counter the failure like maybe there was a failure Mm -hmm. how do you fix it in the moment do you have everything you need right and even you just asking that question as you're talking through stuff is really helpful too of like does this person have everything they need like have i have i input them all the information that's in my head right because there's so much context that you get as an individual especially from a project management standpoint oh, like thinking about how you might be learning it and how i might be doing it on a job basis it's like the client tells me something or like you know however it's framed in your textbook is mm-hmm. like you hear that and then if you don't provide that information that's like a whole section of information that's lost oh yeah and i think there's this fear with not wanting to over communicate and so you might intentionally leave things out that you don't feel were really pertinent Mm -hmm. but other people who are working on the project like desperately needed some of those clarifications and so you don't want to come off as someone who's like you know always emailing or always like messaging someone with all of the details so and we'll get into this more kind of later in the episode but like how do you solve those problems is something that came up a lot in this um, chapter as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I also think about failure in the sense of like actually failing at it where you're not saying what you mean or someone misinterpreting what you've said. Mm -hmm. And so essentially you've not said what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) And then everything is lost. (laughs) And that's a really scary place to be because... Um, that's where the feelings associated with communication come in and people get angry or upset. And, um, that's a, that's like where communication becomes this like fearful place for people. Right. Um, and I think in, to balance that out, thinking about how empathy comes into play and being mindful of how people feel Mm. when you're communicating with them, um, is something that can be learned i think in in some capacity depending and especially like if you're thinking about it in a work context like you can you can be empathetic to your coworkers in a way that makes these misinterpretations or like even just learning like what does my partner think when i have when like i'm trying to communicate with them that i'm upset about something what are they hearing right and how can i say this differently so that they understand right exactly 
such an important piece. And I think, you know, there's something that was identified in that chapter as well that said, you know, don't, when you are communicating with another person and there's like some confusion or there is some like tension happening, like remove the situation from the person. Mm -hmm. So you're not getting upset with the person. You are frustrated with the situation and how, and I think that comes back to empathy of like how you're making that clear to the person that like stuff happens. And obviously if it happens on a very regular basis, there's a different conversation that you have at some point, but really understanding like the situation is not the people involved. The situation is removed from that. So how do you make that clear and then solve that problem and not put it all on the person that may have miscommunicated or said the wrong thing or you've misinterpreted what was said, like removing all of that stuff. So you're both looking at it from the same side versus from opposite sides. Yes. And all of this sounds very overwhelming immediately. (laughs) And you're like, how do I even say hello to a person anymore? You can't. (laughs) That's actually the end goal of this is we don't talk anymore. (laughs) Well, I I think you have some techniques. Let's talk through them. Yes. Yes. So the other piece of this chapter that I found really helpful, and again, in a way that was actually not talking about communication as much as like what's involved with how we communicate. And so that again made it like that step back moment and see the bigger picture versus trying to break down like not just how to communicate well, but like what else goes into Mm -hmm. that how. And the chapter broke it down into four categories that were participants, techniques, environment, and language and vocabulary. All relevant. All super relevant. But again, like until you start thinking about it in these terms, like what you said with participants, like if you're thinking about your partner, you're thinking about like how that person interprets information and you're thinking about like how that person communicates with you. And so you're thinking about the person and what they need and then you tailor the way you communicate to that person. And that's very true of, you know, in a work environment. You're, I'm sure the way that you speak to clients is different than the way that you speak to your team members to some degree, maybe. Yeah, I think contextually, well, especially if you have a more established established relationship with your coworkers. And right. There's a little bit more of like a friendly casual vibe. Right. And like the shorthand that you might use or something like that, yeah. like that all of that starts to evolve and that's another thing down the line as well. But asking yourself, who are the people in the room? Is any unconscious bias at play when when like in making your relationship with the participants more strained? So again, like if you're in a room with people who you know, one that comes right to mind that is something we've been talking about a lot is like different ages. And if there are people of different ages in the room, like, are you conscious of, and this has happened to me a million times, where because I am younger sometimes than many people in the room, I'm spoken to differently, or I'm spoken to in a way that like either does or does not make sense to Mm -hmm. me. And so if someone was considering the participant, they should also sit back and consider their bias against you know, a group of people. Sometimes it's totally conscious. Sometimes it's totally unconscious. But making sure that, like, the way you communicate with groups is streamlined across and not taking things away from groups of people because... Or adding things in for groups of people Mm -hmm. because of what you think they can or cannot handle. Oh, yeah. And that was, like, kind of a mind mind blow moment for me. Yeah, I think in this situation, it's helpful to, like, view every person in the room on a level playing field. Right. And you just come in and you're like, I'm going to actively make sure that I ask for input for everybody that I need to. 
Which is everyone. Which is everyone. Right. And it's asking, yeah, it's like when you start a conversation, especially like in a work environment, like asking people the way they prefer to have conversations. And again, it's like that user manual conversation that we had. Yeah. You know, like what is everybody's preferred way of doing things? And the participants, like maybe they're in-person communicators and not like emailers or something like that. And at some point we all learn like, what's going to work best for our office and can't just tailor every single thing that we do. But again, it's that starting place of like who's in the room and how do people receive information? Yeah. And I think um, off of that, sometimes it's also like part of the participants is knowing who the participants are, like yeah. what you were talking about, where um, where it's actively being like, I know this person may not necessarily be open to like, input in the room Mm -hmm. but might share things later of like hey we definitely like also including that in in the way that you're communicating with people not like just blanketing a call out to everybody in the room but also calling on people to be like hey you shared this really valuable thing Mm -hmm. that i think the rest of the team needs to hear and calling a person out in like a an inclusive way Mm -hmm. and not a like put you on the spot way right absolutely and I think that's totally true and it goes back to like the code of conduct conversation like in a work environment do you have kind of you know rules on the wall that say this is how we speak to each other this is how we share ideas this is how we move forward and I think that that input is done by the participants of the conversation Mm -hmm. and so that's another way to consider that participant place is like what is our code of conduct here in our workspace or people that are in our workspace either for a long amount of time or for a short amount of time Um, and how do we then communicate that code of conduct with those people and why we've done something like that oh yeah so very helpful the next one that they talked about was techniques And they identify the words exchange and feedback as the key words when we think about communication technique. And for me, this just means like, this is the how Mm -hmm. of our communication. This is how we speak to each other is either in an exchange moment or we're providing um, or getting feedback. And I thought that that was, again, like all of these things are just so helpful in the sense of, okay, like now I can step back and and really see like, am I in an exchange? Am I giving feedback? Am I receiving feedback? And how do I move forward with the type of communication I'm about to deliver based on what I know about the technique? Yeah, I think a little bit of this, like to me, I think about it like context. Yeah. And so it's like, are you having a one-on-one conversation with someone? Are you having a group conversation? Are you leading a discussion? Or is this just like a delivery of information and open for questions at the end. Right. And like how you communicate in all of those scenarios is different and it's important to consider um, and set, I said context, but like setting the context at the upfront too of like, here's what we're going to get out of this scenario. Right. And so people know, I think there's also like setting context, setting expectations, providing that input in advance is always really helpful too. I agree. Especially if you're thinking about it from a work context. Absolutely. And then thinking about, like, how does active listening come into play as a technique for good communication? That was a big one. (laughs) In this section of the chapter was thinking about, like, okay, 
you know, it's what we talked about in our active listening episodes. Like you're always listening. You can always hear the person, but how are you then using that in the exchange that you're about to have after whatever it is you just heard? Or Mm -hmm. how does what you just heard play into the feedback that you're about to give? And so using all those techniques together and choosing your words wisely. And like, that's a saying that we all know (laughs) because I feel like it's haunted us so many times in the past, but it is really important is that when you do choose your words wisely, when you are intentional with your delivery of what you're going to say, it helps the other people in the situation feel heard, helps them feel understood to some degree. And I think, you know, if we're talking about leadership in this context, we've all said, you know, a great leader is a great communicator, they're a great listener and all these things, but we don't break down what great communication actually is. And I think this conversation plays into that kind of so fully, um, especially right now when it's really easy to miscommunicate because of all of the ways <laughs> that oh we God. communicate with each other. It's like a pretzel out there. It's terrifying. More like, more like a funnel cake. <laughs> oh, I haven't had one of those in a while. That's yummy. <laughs> it's just all of the avenues that you can go down. <laughs> That's a good one, Bron. <laughs> just trying to do my part. Paint a picture. That was a strong visual. I like that. Um, I think with technique too, one of the things that this makes me uh, think about or consider is also just the environment in which you're communicating with someone. Uh, I know that environment is, I kind of... That's okay. Spoiler alerted. Let's get into it. The next one. But um, there is the environment that has an impact, but also when you're thinking about a technique, it's a little bit of like taking a step back and being like, I'm delivering information, but at a certain point, I should stop delivering information. Yes. And these are the people who are going, especially from project management standpoint, these are the people who are going to do the work. Right. I'm not doing the work. Maybe they should problem solve this. And so part of it, especially from like a delegation, taking it out to like whatever your work scenario is of like, what can I do to ask a question to help them Mm. solve the problem? Because Mm -hmm. I'm not the one to solve the problem in this situation. Right. How do you open up a conversation to say, hey, I would love to hear from you guys on what you think makes the most sense here. I've given you all the background. Right. What do you want to do? Right. And that empowers the team and allows you to be part of that conversation in a way that's appropriate. Like you said, instead of like diving into the work because you have all of your own work to do. It's not part of your job necessarily to dive into that piece of it. But you're right. I feel like that would make your work even more full and better understand what your team needs in that moment. And also like down the line for our next project, like, oh, I remember that this is something that they said they needed. This is something that like kind of we worked through at that point. Maybe that will work again. Let me ask them. And then if it becomes that pattern, then how do you like solidify it as a process? And I think a meeting that's more of a discussion that helps you problem solve things moving forward Uh, That, to me, always is, like, the most effective use of people's time. Yeah, because everybody's getting something out of it in that moment. And you know I love the meeting. Yeah. and I. But more than that, I love an effective meeting. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm I'm getting to a point, too, where I'm like, you know what? I want to share this ahead. Because I like to receive information in advance. Thousand percent. And so I think about, like, are the people that I'm working with, is this helpful for them to pre-read? Right. Um, and so reminding myself that that's 
an available option mm-hmm. is part of the communication process too because it's like what will make this conversation more helpful giving them more con- information right the context help the conversation along <laughs> it seems obvious but again like i think sometimes we get so in our heads about what we're doing and how we're doing it that we like go back and forth with ourselves and we're like whatever it's fine like we don't need to do that and then when you do it you're like oh that was super helpful for everybody let's do that going forward yeah. like let's make that the thing <laughs> Um, so you mentioned environment. I did. <laughs> but that, and that is the... Um, Number three. <laughs> third one, yes. Um, and that is, I think this one's kind of self-explanatory, but it's really understanding how communication will work depending on the setup of your environment. Oh, yeah. You know, is is there like more stuff that's needed or more communication that's needed? Is there less um, or different depending on where you are or how your organization is set up? And what they talked about specifically that I found really helpful was thinking about silos that exist in a company. Because I've never been part of an organization that does not have silos, no matter how much you like try to break them down. They just like create themselves. Oh, yeah. And it's not always a bad thing, but knowing how to communicate across silos, especially if you're in a project management position that works with multiple different teams, like understanding how that that environment then impacts the way that you communicate, not just with all of the silos, but each of them individually is, was kind of like, again, another mind blow for me where I'm just like, oh, that makes sense that you would tailor (laughs) communication to the group that you're working with in that moment. But then also, and we'll get into this at at the last one, but like, what is the main structure that we're all agreeing to work off Mm -hmm. of? And it's Um, shocking how those the like ladders that bridge across just like fall apart over time. And you're like, cause there was one person that worked in that department that was Mm -hmm. like a really good conduit. And then all of a sudden you're like, Susie's gone. (laughs) I don't know who the whole thing is broken now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they talked about, it's like the telephone game where, you know, the message gets totally warped by the last person because something broke down because communication wasn't clear because, like, that's the point of the game, but work isn't a game, so we need to figure it out. Um, But environment is, while it seems like it doesn't necessarily correlate to the telephone game, like, working across silos or working across departments, like, things can get skewed very quickly, and you don't want to be the micromanager that goes from place to place to place that delivers the information if you don't have to, but that's why we set up processes in our specific environments that help communication run more smoothly. Yeah, and then communicating clearly about those processes. That leads us to our next one. (laughs) This one was my favorite, honestly, Um, but this was the language and vocabulary. And I think what was super interesting about it is because we have this tendency as a society to want to look like the smartest, best, and most amazing person in the room. And we think that by using certain terminology, we become that person. When in actuality, so much of the time, no one understands what you're saying. And then you've you've become the most confident person. So no one is feeling like they can ask you what you meant by any of those words that you used because you seem so confident and sure of yourself. <laughs> and that's all okay. Okay, (laughs) but the whole point of this section was that understanding that not everybody is going, if not everybody's on the same page about industry terms, acronyms, all of those like different things. I mean, how many meetings have you been in 
where people use language that you're just like, I know that you're speaking the language I understand or should understand, but I am fully lost by you right now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The acronyms are crazy. Tough. And every organization I've ever worked at, there's like a dictionary of terms where we're like, hey, this thing that we do all the time, we're going to call it this. Right. And you're like, and then you start using them all the time with people who don't right. know them or understand them. And then you have to explain and you're like, how do you not <laughs> how know do you what not that know means? <laughs> well, and that's why you think about like, so you've created this book of terms that everybody on the team understands. So when you're with your team, you're like, you get it. I get it. We're speaking the same language. But then you go zip back up to environment or zip back up to participants. If either of those things are different than the environment or participants that you created the book with then you need to change it. Mm-hmm. Or you need to create like a second set. <laughs> that you need to have a book for everybody. For everybody. And it feels like so much work, but it is so worth it. Like one of the um, examples that they used was like somebody at some point had called like an official government agency about like mixing chemicals. And they were like, this won't do anything to my pipes, right? And they used all of this flowery language that basically said, like, no, this is a terrible idea. But because it was so unclear that they were saying, don't do this, he came back three times and was like, okay, so this is fine. They used the same, like, language minus a couple. And they were like, okay, so, like, I just won't do that, but I'm still going to do this. And they were like, finally, the last message to this person was like, don't do that. It will break your home. And it's like, why didn't you just say that? Should have just said it the first time. To begin with. And I think, like, that's the overarching message with this is how do we simplify language to the point where it's not dumbing it down, it's making it clear. Yes. Like that's the goal is clarity always. That's my feeling. And that's it. That's all we need to know. That's it. (laughs) And it means like you might have to do extra work for certain things, like I can think of in like my fundraising world, that there are so many terms that I had to learn that that started to make sense to me, but didn't make sense to the donor I was sitting in front of. And that's the person who needs to understand it. Oh, yeah. So it's like, okay, so your industry might have terms, but who's your client? Who is your customer? Do they get it? Mm-hmm. Do they have to get it? Or can we change the language? Or how are we communicating clearly? And I just found that super, super helpful to say, like, oh, we don't have to make it hard. Yes. (laughs) Which I think leads into the next section really well of, like, how do you balance communicating with people that you work with in so many ways and approach things differently than maybe you would for yourself or how you think about them? And I think so much of it is, like, walk in the other person's shoes. Yes. Like, what are they thinking about? If I heard this and had no idea what IIRC means, and you're like, that's definitely a government organization. You and don't it's like, know. You know I'm saying If I like... recall correctly, <laughs> that's what that acronym means. Oh. In like urban dictionary terms. And I was like, didn't know it. Good to know. Did I need to know it? Did we have to make it an acronym? <laughs> you couldn't type out the whole thing. <laughs> but also, what did you say it meant? If... If I recall correctly. If I recall correctly. There's got to be a simpler way to say that. Like, just so you know, or going back to what I said. I double check this information because it might not be accurate. (laughs) It's just, it's so funny because we do that so easily. Is that like, this will be easier for everyone. So we're going to make it a thing. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're like, 
nobody understands me. <laughs> Why? But I think this is an ongoing challenge. And I the, that, like, let's get on the same page. Like, let me see you for you. Like you said, like, stepping into someone else's shoes means, like, let me see where you're at. Like, mm-hmm. explain to me where you're coming from and help me understand where you're coming from. And I'll do the same for you. Well, it's truly, like, the active listening yeah. exercise where you're like, what I'm hearing is... right. You need da, 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 right, and they agree or disagree, right, and then move. You move forward, yeah. And you both know the information is accurate. That was like the most insightful thing that someone I had coffee with said to me. Is like I asked them what they heard me say, and I'm like, you can do that. <laughs> I had no idea. And you're like, wow. But she's like, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. <laughs> um. And then going along with that, like taking judgment out of it, because again, I think sometimes we're like, why don't you get a, you know, like unconscious bias? Why don't you just understand what I'm saying? And if you take, if you are consciously taking judgment out of it and just being like, this person just wants to understand better, let me help with that. Or if you're the person on the other side of that, it's like, I just want to understand, like, you know, please work with me here a little bit, taking the personal feelings out of it. And hopefully like that will also encourage other people to speak up and ask questions Mm -hmm. because they've seen in action, someone was not judged for it or like they weren't like shot a look from someone Mm -hmm. for asking that question. I think like those things are, are, you know, we can do that. We can do that. Yeah. And a lot of this, like someone did this to me, but uh, in a, really passive aggressive way where it was like have you heard of this thing it's like yeah i have (laughs) but sometimes asking clarifying questions around like are you familiar with this topic right letting them answer and if it's a yes or no then you know exactly like what level of uh depth to go in sure uh, or needing to specify certain things. Um, but you have to ride delicately because it could be very helpful and like inclusive of like, hey, I'm trying to be considerate of like how much background information you have about this topic right? so that I can provide you with helpful information. Or it could go the direction of... Like you think I'm an idiot. <laughs> like you didn't let me answer and now I feel like a, a dum-dum. Well, and that's the thing is I think sometimes we also assume people think we're stupid. And so then my judgment is overlaying anything you're trying to show me because I instantly feel stupid, Mm -hmm. even though that was never the intent of the clarifying question. It was truly to clarify if I knew it or not. I did that all the time with PR because I went to school for PR. So when people ask me, I say PR and then I say public relations. Mm -hmm. And so many people have been like, I know what PR means. I'm like, I'm not assuming anything about anyone. If you work in PR, obviously I'm not going to say that. But if you are so far removed from PR, I'm not going to assume that anybody knows what that means. Yeah. Right? Personal record. (laughs) And anything. (laughs) It could be anything. Project runway. (laughs) That's usually what I was talking about. Uh, Yes. Very important to clarify. So relevant. And I will never, I think about this and say it to me meet myself (laughs) i say it to me so often you know what happens when you assume it makes an ass out of you and me yeah i think about it all the time uh my eighth grade math teacher wrote that on the chalkboard one time and i was like oh my god that's genius and then some other kid in the back was like he just wrote ass on the board and i was like you're an ass (laughs) (laughs) 
I can just picture you at that age and 13. what was happening in your brain. <laughs> and I was like, I will never forget this. <laughs> Some things just stick, man. It's so true. Because assumptions and expectations will always, you're like trying to control your environment and you can't do that right. when other people are involved. Right. You have to just let it happen. You have to step back. I think like that is the ultimate thing is you have to step back. You have to take your ego out of it. You have to take like, and it's not like taking away everything you've ever learned or know, but mm-hmm. it is like understanding that even people within the same team are coming at things from a different place. And once you do this work of like, figuring out how to approach things with people who are different from you or take on things differently. Like then all of the other stuff follows, like then the organized language follows and then you understand your environment better. And it's like, when you start at a certain place, everything else will fall into place, but it has to be done with intention and it has to be done like often, you know, things continue to change. So there needs to be kind of an, a living document ongoing thing with this as well. I fully agree. And I think so much of this is being conscious of different people and different work styles, different communication styles, and being mindful of it and thinking about it when you're communicating with people. Because so much of it is like, we're not acknowledging it. Right. And so in order to avoid this, it's like reframing it in how can I ask questions instead of telling people what they need to know. Right. Um, All of that input will help you succeed. And I think acknowledging that you don't have all the right answers is a game changer. It very much is. I love this. Uh, I really hope that you bought your textbook. If not, I happily purchase it from you. I did buy it. Excellent. So you can borrow it anytime. I'd like to read it cover to cover. And you will enjoy it. And, and we will you. share, apologies for not sharing the name of it, we will share that information in the show notes. Yes. Queenspeaking.com slash 109. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, we'd like to continue this conversation because you are part of it with us. Yes. <laughs> Communication. Communication. <laughs> Hit us up on Instagram at queen underscore speaking. And uh, we'd love to hear what you think. Yes. Shall we break? Let's break. <laughs>